one thing I would mention with effacement, because that was the hardest part for me to visualize as a yeah. labor nurse when I was first learning. Um, and someone told me, think of those little powdered donuts, uh-huh. you know, the, uh-huh. the white powdered donuts and think of it just kind of like somebody stepping on it and it just getting flatter yep. and flatter and more pushed Perfect. out. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hey guys, happy Monday. So this episode is actually part one of a two-part series. I guess we can call it a series, but basically Lindsay and I decided to do a two-part episode because we just wanted to talk a whole lot about a lot of different things and we felt it was best to split up these episodes. So if you guys don't know who Lindsay Shipley is, you guys are going to love her. Um, I'm sure if you know anything about breastfeeding or if you're interested in breastfeeding, you probably already follow her page. And if not, you should. So she has a pretty big Instagram page. She is at lactation link on Instagram. I'm a big fan of her page. She gives a lot of wonderful, amazing breastfeeding tips. And guess what? She's also a labor and delivery nurse. She's not currently practicing anymore, but she's a fellow labor and delivery nurse. So we thought it would be cool to come on here and just go over some terms that you may hear when you go into labor, when you come in for your C-section, you know, when you come into the hospital. Sometimes you'll hear us say things that aren't super familiar to you. So we thought it would be a good episode to just go over all of these different terms and you know, who better to do it with than another labor and delivery nurse. So that is part one. Part two, um, if you haven't guessed, we talked all about breastfeeding because she's, you know, just amazing at educating other moms about breastfeeding. So we answered a lot of questions about breastfeeding. um, And she talked about her top three tips on how to have a successful breastfeeding journey. So Lindsay Shipley is an RN, a childbirth educator, and an IBCLC. An IBCLC, if you're not familiar with that term, an IBCLC is International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. It is like the best of the best degree that you can get when it comes to lactation. So she knows her stuff. She's also a cancer survivor and a mom of three. After being a labor and delivery nurse for five years, Lindsay saw too many moms feel scared and unsure when it came to breastfeeding. Totally agree with her. That's a big issue. She overheard lots of differing opinions and conversations on the right way or the best way to breastfeed. It's no wonder moms can feel overwhelmed and unsure. Lindsay set out to change all that with Lactation Link. When her second baby was six weeks old, she was diagnosed with cancer and went through two years of treatment. With education and support, she was able to reach her own breastfeeding goals despite facing that challenge. That's crazy to me. And we talk about it in the episode. I'm actually going to probably have Lindsay on for a third time just to talk about her whole personal journey because, wow, what an amazing lady. That experience made her passionate about creating a breastfeeding resource families knew they could trust when they experienced challenges of their own. Through the Lactation Link online classes and support forum, she has created reliable research-based information that is also easily accessible. She is based in Utah, but her customer base is everywhere because of her online classes and e-consults. Super cool, big fan of Lindsay. I've checked out her courses and gotta say, um... Wow, like so, so impressed with her courses. I'm going to leave a link to them in this episode of the show notes and also in next week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into part one of this two-part episode with Lindsay Shipley. 
Pregnancy and birth come with a lot of unknowns. And I should know, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. What if I told you there was a resource that could support you for every step of the way and prepare you for every scenario, no matter how things play out? It's true. The Mommy Labor Nurse All Access Pass gives you instant access to every single one of our courses and resources in one spot for an entire year. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash AAP to learn more. I can't wait to see you in there. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family and sure. what you ate for breakfast yeah. and all that, all that good stuff. <laughs> all that good stuff, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, two labor and delivery nurses coming together to chat yeah. all things, you know? Um, yeah. My name is Lindsay Shipley. I'm a registered nurse. My background's in labor and delivery. I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant, um, and I'm the founder of Lactation Link, where we do online breastfeeding and pumping courses. We've had tens of thousands of parents take those classes over the last six years, Um, but I actually never knew that I would be, you know, uh, having a company called Lactation Link. Maybe we'll get that into that a little bit later. Um, Yeah. But I also have three kids. I have an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, and an 18-month-old. Um, so they're, yeah, very busy. Um, I'm also a cancer survivor. And I have yeah. a, a story in that regard that we could take a whole podcast ep- episode to go into, but we won't. That's, yeah, that's um, episode two, because I would yes. love to hear all about that. And I know my, my listeners would too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's something that, you know, I carry every day and, yeah. and, you know, um, I think we all kind of have our own unique challenges in life and motherhood. And, um, I think like none are more important or harder than the others. I think, um, you know, we just have a unique story, right. To tell. Right. Yeah. Um, and I really, you know, started down this path of, of this company because I just like you have stood at the bedside of hundreds of deliveries. Yeah. Um, And I just saw that so many women and families were scared and unsure when it came to breastfeeding, you know, and it's not something that I anticipated as a young labor and delivery nurse. Um, I was 22 when I started and I had no kids of my own. And so um, I kind of thought probably like a lot of first time moms think, oh, well, things will just click and, you know, oh, the baby will just latch and all that kind of stuff. And I saw like time and time again, you know, um, it it was more common for moms to feel scared and unsure and not know what to do with breastfeeding than it was for women to feel confident, supported and educated. And I was just like, wait a second, what is going on? You know? Um, and so I think it, it was then that I kind of dove and said, okay, well, what kind of resources and and what's going to help women be more successful. And I found through research that the number one indicator of breastfeeding success was prenatal breastfeeding course, you know? Um, and went looking for a resource that I could give my, give those clients and give to the doctors to put in their offices and found that everything was outdated and not relevant to the modern parents. So that's kind of like, that's why we're sitting here today. Right. Um, that's right. And so we have those online courses. Um, and I went down that road to get the IBCLC credential, which is a whole other ball game. Um, and we, (laughs) you know, it's a thousand hours of hands-on helping moms and babies. And then it's 90 hours of lactation specific training in the classroom. And now we have 25 IBCLCs on our lactation link team that do one-on-one consultations and, and our ambassadors of the courses. So, um, I, and I found through, you know, building that team that IBCLCs are kind of like service-based people because like, and my husband thought yeah. I was crazy too, when I was going to, I said, Oh, I'm going to go do this, um, comprehensive course and this exam that's going to cost us like money out of pocket. He's like, are you, he's like, okay, so what, what raise are you going to get at the hospital? Yeah. I'm not going to get a raise. Uh, yeah. are you crazy? You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so typically these are people who are very passionate about helping, um, families reach their goals because they don't really have any other incentive typically. So it's a, it's a really cool, um, group of people for sure. That's very cool. I didn't realize you had that many people on your team. That is amazing yeah. that you have yeah. so many people like, and I'm sure that it, it makes uh, like, sometimes I know with at least online services, sometimes mm-hmm. there can be a, a little bit of a, a way to get in with a consultation, but if right. you have that many people, right. it sounds like, you know, you, yeah. if you need to talk to somebody today, like you can talk to yes. somebody today. That's very cool. Yes. Yeah. And we've got um, like we've got several people who are bilingual and Spanish. Cool. We've got somebody in India. 
Um, mm. So we've, we, yeah, we've, we've um, got a lot of accessibility for sure for people to have those one-on-one consultations, either prenatally, just to kind of make sure they have their birth plan, their feeding plan in place, or those first few days postpartum to make sure everything are going just as they, as they should, or when common bumps arise, you know, or not so common, you know, yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot time. of them. There's yes, a lot of them. For sure, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So that resource is there. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, today guys, we, since we are both uh, labor and delivery nurses, are you, you're not still working as a labor and delivery nurse, are you? I'm not a staff nurse right okay. now. No. Okay. Um, yeah, but we do do one-on-one consultations in the hospital. Obviously COVID yeah. do that for a loop a little bit, Yeah. Um, but that's starting to open back up as well. Very cool. Well, yeah. since we both are labor and delivery nurses, um, we yeah. thought this episode would be cool if we talked about some common terms in labor, postpartum, mm-hmm. breastfeeding, um, that you might hear triage terms that you might hear that you might be kind of unfamiliar with. Um, so we thought mm-hmm. we would kind of bust those, those terms and kind of explain yeah. them through, because yeah. I think that's something you know, sometimes you'll, I I know sometimes, you know, people come in, it happens all the time. Like somebody will come in and I'll say, oh, we got to, you know, do this, that, and the other. I I got an IOL. I got, you know, Uh I mean, most people know what VBAC means, but we get, you know, Mm -hmm. we get so comfortable talking in medical language around patients that it's like, Mm -hmm. sometimes we will say something and the patient's like, wait, what is that? What does that exactly sure. mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we I thought it would be good to do this episode. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you know, not that you need to be, you know, at the level of you yes, know, um, yes. any of the staff, right. And the, it, it is on the staff to explain things so that you make sense, that totally. makes sense to the client and never be afraid to clarify something, but it can be nice. Um, these terms that are going to be used quite often if you feel like you're more educated and empowered, um, in that way. So we just wanted to peel back the curtain and kind of say, Hey, here's a yeah. couple things you may have heard and are wondering about. Yes, totally. I love it. So we're going to talk about some terms first, and then we also put out a box, um, just a few days ago, asking some, some questions from you guys to see from you all, what your top breastfeeding questions were, because God knows there are a lot of them. <laughs> so <laughs> once we get to the second half of that episode, Melissa's going to go through all of these great questions and give some tips and tricks, um, for breastfeeding moms, because I know, you know, I've been breastfeeding mom now twice. And there's, I feel like there's still, even with my second one, there was a learning curve with a lot. Like, I feel like I was still learning stuff Mm -hmm. as you know, there's like, you you learn so much beforehand. You can learn so much beforehand, like with a course like yours, that is like super, Mm -hmm. super valuable. But then once Mm -hmm. you do it, it's like, Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad I do have this online course that I can refer back to because I have so many questions (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you've got a chance to take a look at the courses. Have you wiped your tears yet from that? I did. Oh my gosh. I know it was so good. You guys definitely have to check them out. Like they are, we'll leave a link in the show notes page for anybody to check out. Um, anybody to check out the lactation like courses, but yeah, the one that Lindsay sent me before this was so like, I wasn't expecting to get a little teary, but I definitely did. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so sweet. And it's, yeah. The one that you watched was a video of right after birth and, um, uh, just those newborn reflexes coming uh, out and how, like you know, chills. how baby <laughs> it's like hardwired, you know, to yes. find the breasts and things. And, you know, um, obviously people have taken those all over the world, but whenever we've been able to do in-person training, I don't watch the video. I watch the families that are, yeah. that are being, you know, that are at the class and like, they're always like, tearing up they're like making yeah. little noise like oh oh you know um because it is just a really beautiful um event you know yes. um and it doesn't have to go in perfect sequence everybody's journey is going to be unique um but we can rest assured that babies were made to do this and our bodies were made to do this yeah totally Love yeah it. yeah All right, cool. Well, that's going to be the second half of the episode. So stay tuned. So (laughs) let's start off with some terms, Lindsay, I'm going to let you go first. We kind of grouped these into, into, um, different sections. So Lindsay, I want you to start talking about some of the terms that maybe someone Mm -hmm. would hear when they first get to triage first come up to labor and delivery. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. Okay. So the first one we have is EFM. And that stands for external fetal monitoring. So typically what'll happen is you'll come in, you'll get a gown on and they'll have like maybe a couple bands, like belly bands, 
um, that they're going to use to hook some external monitors. They're usually like a little circle. There's going to be one for the contractions and then one to measure baby's heartbeat. Okay. So that's your external monitoring. Um, and I think we'll talk a little later if, it, if internal monitoring is needed, what those yeah. terms and things are. Oh, oh, no, it's right here. Yeah. Internal monitoring. Okay. So internal monitoring. So if, if you're being monitored and for some reason there needs to just be a more um, definitive kind of look at your contractions and also at baby's heartbeat, because the external monitors do a good job, but sometimes they fall off or sometimes um, they need adjusting or they don't give yeah. like the clearest, clearest picture. Um, and so if you need internal monitoring, that's going to be referred to as an IUPC um, or an FSC of fetal scalp electrode. Um, and so those are, you know, need to be done by your nurse and you need to be obviously explained, you know, pros and cons of those. Um, but that's the difference between kind of monitoring there. And, you know, um, maybe a reason that you would need internal monitoring for baby is if you're starting, to, we're starting to see distress mm -hmm. or we're starting to see what we call decelerations, you know, later. Um, and so that's a little bit on monitoring. FHR is just fetal heart rate, or you might hear nurses uh, uh, refer to it as heart tones, right? Um, and now what about some little little tests that nurse might do when you come in? Yeah. So if you come in for triage, um, they're going to obviously monitor baby, and then they're going to check your cervix because they want to, you know, think if you're, see, see where you're at, like in that labor process, right? And I, we always say, you know, there's nobody you get to know faster than your labor and delivery nurse. That's true. <laughs> because they'll come in and they'll say, hi, what's your name? And then they'll go down to check your service, yep. right? <laughs> yeah. There's Very not true. a lot of small talk, right? Or beating around the bush there. Um, and so <laughs> figuratively and literally. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> I was just going to say. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is the abbreviation for that is SVE, which stands for sterile vaginal exam. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to come back up to the other one, but yeah. there's another thing called Leopold maneuvers, which is where your nurse or your doctor, or your midwife would put their hands on your belly and track, you know, by different, um, I guess how they're feeling it and how they actually can watch the belly and in, in different positions are going to be able to tell where the baby is positioned inside. Right. Yep. Um, and so that's what Leopold maneuvers would be. And then another test, and sometimes they'll do that throughout the whole labor, right? So don't be, and that's actually a really good thing that they're doing that. It's a great sign that yes. they are actually trying to actively monitor the labor and help through positioning and different things, maybe get in a position that's going to be easiest for them to come out. Right. And so that's yep. actually a really good sign. Okay. And then talking about the cervix, um, you may hear that you have a favorable cervix or an unfavorable cervix. And all that really means is has the cervix kind of shortened and thinned out to where we feel like either when you go into labor on your own, or we do like an induction with something called Pitocin, you know, how likely is that to be effective, right? Or how yeah. likely, um, is that going to be able to help you or, is your body just not in the right place to get something like that started where even if we do start it, you're not going to progress in labor. Right. So we're talking kind of about the state of your cervix. Right. Yep. Um, and so if, if an induction needs to happen for a medical reason, but the cervix is unfavorable or it's not ready, right. They might use some techniques to do what we call cervical ripening. So that's another term to kind of yeah. Um, to kind of think about, I mean, think about an avocado that's not ready to be made into yeah. guacamole, right? I was going to say avocado, <laughs> or I did a video a little while back. I saw it originally on TikTok. Um, a couple people had done, I've seen a couple of videos on TikTok, but same kind of thing, but it was a banana, like thinking about peeling mm -hmm. a banana and mm -hmm. how that green banana is really, really, you can still peel it, but it's a, it's much harder and you know, tougher and then yep. a ripe, riper bananas, yellow. It's a little bit easier to peel, but like, think about that Brown banana, how darn mm -hmm. easy it is to peel. It just like mm -hmm. basically falls apart. So when you think about your cervix and it being favorable versus unfavorable, think about, you know, a banana, or like you said, an avocado is another, right. another great, another great yes. uh, fruit or I guess, is avocado, is avocado <laughs> fruit or a vegetable. I think I it know. is a fruit. I think it's God. a fruit, right? <laughs> 
We're not an expert on that. We'll tell you about labor terms all day, but let's let's not we don't tread know about unfamiliar territory there with fruits and vegetables. Um, <laughs> so think of you know something like we'll call it a cytotech induction or a cervidil induction. Um, those are medications that they kind of put next to your cervix. It's kind of like think of like if we had a magic wand that you, you could wave on the avocado to make it ripen yep. faster. It's the same thing with your cervix. Do you guys use any other methods for cervical ripening at your hospital, Liesl, other than Cytotec or Cervidil? We use, we don't even use Cervidil anymore. We use Cytotec. We obviously use Pitocin, but um, we use Foley bulbs actually a ton. So that's on right. medication, but that's a, that's a, yeah, I guess you can, that one's actually, I didn't, we didn't list that one, but why don't you explain what a Foley bulb later. is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I might it, it a little later. bit later. Okay. Um, I don't know why, but yeah. So oh, yeah, you're right. Bulb, yeah. Foley bulb, you would, so it's like, um, if you were going to put like a cat, if we were going to put a catheter in, right. Yeah. Um, if you would need that for some reason, we'll do that in a Foley induction and then we'll kind of manually try to open the cervix there. Um, and that can be really successful, um, yeah. in a lot of ways. So it's just going to come down to what's best for your history, what's best for your body. Um, and you talk about that with your healthcare provider, if it's needed, you know, um, ho- hopefully it's not, but if it's needed, then, um, basically make the best choice for you. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we, we have something else here. So there's P prom prom or shrom, and all of these have to do, um, with your bag of waters or your membranes. Okay. Um, so that's just kind of the cushion that baby lives in the water, that whole nine, 10 months that they're cooking. Right. So, um, that gets kind of confusing here. So we've got two P's, two P's R-O-N. So preterm, premature rupture of membranes. Okay. So if your water breaks before you even go into labor and it's earlier than 37 weeks, that's called a P-prom. Okay. And then when it's just prom, it's premature rupture of membranes. So just before you go into labor, 37 weeks, or, you know, if you're past 37 weeks, that's how they would categorize it um, and write it down. And then spontaneous rupture of membranes just means that your bag of waters broke, you know, while you were in labor. Right. Yep. Yep. And then the other one is a ROM. I was going to say, why don't you say AROM while we're on the ROMs? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Another one is AROM, which is called artificial rupture of membranes. And that's actually, we didn't mention that, but that can be, I guess, another way to Mm -hmm. induce or augment labor, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. by just saying, hey, we've got, you know, pretty um, favorable cervix. Let's just see if we can kind of jumpstart the labor by artificially rupturing the membranes. Yeah. or if you get started in induction and you've got Pitocin a little bit and you're making a little bit of progress, it's just, you know, can sometimes your provider is going to just artificially break your, break your bag of waters, um, as a part of that induction process. Cool. So that's our kind of triage list. I'm sure it's not, Love it. uh, we've probably missed a few little things, but those are kind of the most common things you might hear during, oh, yeah. no, during that I think- time. I think it's, I think you did a perfect job. So I'm going to move into some of the labor terms. So I thought I would probably actually start off. You just kind of left off with AROM. So I'll talk about some of the, the, um, some of the induction ones first. So first of all, when we talk about inductions, sometimes you'll hear the term IOL, which means it's in, that stands for induction of labor. And sometimes moms are induced medically. So you'll have a medical IOL induction of labor, or you'll have an elective induction of labor. Um, medical ones, I would say probably are, or most common. Um, but a lot more moms are electively deciding to be induced these days. Um, thanks to the, arrive the the arrived study, Mm -hmm. which I've done a whole podcast episode. I feel like on that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it took up like half of a a podcast episode. Um, so a lot more moms are choosing to get electively induced because that arrive study did show that at 39 weeks, um, the, your C-section rate, it does go down a bit if you're 
if you're induced, um, at 30 electively at 39 weeks, but there's a whole lot more that goes into that study. Yes. So go yes, listen to sure. that episode. I'm like, which podcast, which number was that? I'll have to plop that yeah. into the show notes, but yeah. anyways, so that's IOL medical versus elective. And then sometimes when we, when I have an induction mom, um, I'll refer, I'll refer to your Pitocin, which is the medication that you get during, during your induction to, to make your uterus contract. I'll refer to it as pit and you'll hear your nurses refer to it as pit you refer, you know, you hear your doctor, your midwife refer to it as pit. That's just a short, a short name. We just like to say pit versus <laughs> pitocin, I guess. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of some of the induction terms. I'm trying to see if there was any else on here. I think we're probably good. Um, so let's get into some of the cervical, um, cervical terms. So there are a lot here. So first, when we talk about cervical checks, I know Lindsay, you you talked about just cervical exams in your triage part, but let's talk about like what dilation means and what effacement means mm -hmm. and what station means. And then anterior versus, versus posterior cervixes. So dilation is basically how, you know, wide, how big your, the opening is. Okay. So your cervix, you know, starts out at no centimeters, zero centimeters, and it has to get to 10 centimeters to come fully open, to have baby, you know, come through and, um, and birth <laughs> and come out. Mm -hmm. So dilation is how open your cervix get gets. And then effacement, when we talk about effacement, think about your cervix. It's kind of like if you hold up your fist, so it's kind of like thick and long and Effacement is basically where it's thinning out. Okay. So the mm -hmm. cervix not only has to open, but it also has to thin and get really, really soft. Okay. So if we talk about effacement, you might hear your, your provider check you and say, oh, you're four centimeters dilated. So you're four centimeters open and you're 80% effaced. So that means that 80% yeah. of that cervix is is thinned out. So there's only about 20% mm -hmm. left. So that's just, that's, you know, what you would hear, you know, when, if some, if your provider would check you. One thing I would mention with effacement, cause that was the hardest part for me to visualize as a yeah. labor nurse when I was first learning. Um, and someone told me, think of those little powdered donuts, uh -huh. you know, the, uh -huh. the white powdered donuts and think of it just kind of like somebody stepping on it and it just getting flatter yep. and flatter and more pushed Perfect. out. Um, and that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, yeah. um, cause that can be really hard for people to understand. Like it's kind of that thick donut, And then yep. as we mash it down, it gets thinner and spreads a little bit thinner. See, you just gave me a real idea, Lindsay. I'm going to tag, tag you in my next reel when I'm explaining my donut cervixes. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm used to Play-Doh. I usually do my reels like with the cervix. I've done Play-Doh a lot, but I love that. Yeah. So right. anyway, so the third one we talk about when we talk about cervical checks is your station. So that's just where baby is in, in your pelvis. So we talk about station is a little bit hard to understand, but we, um, there's, there's basically like a bony promise prominence in your pelvis and it's called your istrial spines. So that place is where your, your station is what we is what we deem zero station. Okay. Um, so if baby is above that, that promise, that bone right there, um, baby is still in negative stations. So, so it's, I wish you guys could see my hands and like how it's working, but mm -hmm. basically yeah. you're at zero station, um, zero station. A lot of most people I would say are at zero station, you know, not during their pregnancy, you're usually at zero or the plus stations, you know, once you start labor, but zero station is where that pelvis pelvic bone is. And then you go up. So negative one, negative two, minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four, um, is, you know, minus three, minus four is kind of where baby lives, you know, during pregnancy, not in labor, you know, not engaged or anything. And then as baby comes down, you go from, you know, minus four, minus three, minus two, minus one, we're starting to say, okay, baby's, you know, starting to get nice and engaged mm -hmm. in your pelvis. And then baby hits zero station. And then once baby passes through zero station, we talk about the stations moving to plus. So plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four, AKA on the floor, baby's out <laughs> plus four is like mm -hmm. baby's head is hanging out. Um, so yeah. that station, it's kind of hard to, to visualize without a chart. Yeah. And I like to 
always like whenever somebody asks that in story questions, I always pop up. There's like a nice little Google image where it, you know, you can see the baby really, really well in the pelvis and how stations yeah. work. So, and, and thinking a little bit about an elevator, right. Yes, and you're thinking yes. about those numbers going up and down, yep. just yep. thinking about, okay, if it's, if it's higher, it's higher in the elevator, you know, yep. it's going to be that negative and then kind of coming down. Um, and then you got when some babies basements, to come out, yeah. <laughs> when babies try to come out, that elevator is going to open. Right. Yep. And they're, That's they're right. going to come on out. So. That's right. I love it. You got some, you got some good, uh, visualization, uh, <laughs> metaphors, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you in search of the perfect pump for the breastfeeding days? The Luna is a powerful new breast pump from Motif Medical, built for modern motherhood and covered by insurance. Now battery powered to give you more freedom and flexibility, Luna's rechargeable battery lasts over two hours. It's also got a super simple setup and easy customization option, so you can quickly find out what works best for you and your baby. The Luna features a backlit LCD screen, built-in nightlight, closed system, quiet motor, and auto shut off. It's also super lightweight, weighing in at just two pounds. But beyond the features and ease of use, the Luna works. In a third-party study, five out of six moms reported more milk in less time with Luna. One major reason why 90% surveyed preferred the Luna over their current pump. As a pumping mama, I personally used and loved my Luna pump. The massage and expression mode provides full control and maximum comfort. These modes stimulate letdown by mimicking your baby's natural nursing pattern and expresses milk from the breast with high efficiency. To learn more about the Luna and order one for your breastfeeding and pumping journey, head on over to motifmedical.com. Sophisticated, strong, and soothing. Completely covered by insurance, Get ready to make your pumping days a little bit easier with the Luna. Well, let's talk about anterior versus posterior cervix. So this is not um, part of uh, your cervical, like official cervical exam, I would say. But a lot of times what happens when you're in labor is your cervix will go from being posterior kind of back, you know, back um, in your vagina on the backside. And then as you're in labor, it it comes forward and it comes interior. So if you think about your body and how like the planes on your body, posterior body, you know, your posterior plane is your backside. Okay. And your anterior plane is your front side. So your cervix, if it, if your provider saying, Oh, your cervix is kind of posterior, it just means it's kind of back, you know, kind of towards your butt. And then as mm -hmm. labor starts, typically your cervix does come much more anterior, much more forward. Your vagina is an odd, not in a bad way, but it's an odd organism where the cervix does, you know, it's not just like in one place. It just, it does kind of move mm -hmm. in labor. So that's mm -hmm. kind of hard for people to, to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and then keep in mind, if your cervix is posterior, the nurse right. might ask you to like, they might put like a little basin under your yeah. bum, or they might ask you to put their, put your fists under, under your bum. Yeah. so that they can reach the cervix easier without killing you, right? When you have yes. that posterior uh, position. Yeah. Then the other fun tidbit I would add is I have a uterus, uterine didelphus. Mm. So I have actually two uterus. Oh, so wow. I actually have two cervical openings, believe it or wow. not. How crazy is that? That is um, crazy. I've heard so of that a, for sure, yeah, but, but I've never met someone with that. Yeah, so cool. Hey. Super common. Yeah, yeah. So my first, which was a vaginal delivery, um, they could check my cervix on both sides, which was like wow. trippy and weird, but just as a little side note. And, and now so I'm cool. like TMI, but nothing's TMI with us, right? No, never, <laughs> never. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely a thing guys. Fun fact. But probably so, not going to happen to you. So probably not going to happen to you. <laughs> probably not going to happen to you, but that is a thing to have two cervixes and two uteruses. So let's move into some of these other labor terms. So the next one we can talk about is preterm labor PTL. Um, and I would say not, I mean, my facility doesn't really use we don't really say PTL, but you might see it in your chart, like preterm mm -hmm. labor here for, you know, PTL preterm labor. Um, so that's that one. And then let's talk about unmedicated versus natural. And this one yeah. sometimes gets a bad rap. And I actually have a, a, a full lesson in our birth courses in my, my natural series, um, 
because I get a lot of people saying, why, you know, why do you say natural? Why don't you say, you know, just unmedicated? And it's tough because I, I do, I agree. I hate the word natural. I think I, I wish it wasn't, you know, a thing, but it is, you know, when we, when we talk about giving birth without epidurals and unmedicated, I would say, you know, if you're looking to go without an epidural and you're looking to go without any IV pain medication or without any gas and air nitrous oxide, that's what I would deem unmedicated someone looking to go unmedicated during labor. Um, and then natural, I think probably falls under that same umbrella, but you know, if I say, if, if I have a mom who's saying, I'm, you know, go, looking to go natural, maybe she is interested in, you know, other pain te techniques other than epidurals. Maybe she wants to get some IV pain medication. Maybe she wants mm. to try some nitrous oxide, but unfortunately natural is not, it's just a, a sensitive, sensitive word. People don't like it, which I, which I totally understand. Um, yeah. but it's just, you know, I, I also, so I say this in the course too. I also am not a fan of only saying unmedicated when I refer to that type of birth because Pitocin is a medication and you might want to get induced and, you know, go unmedicated when, you know, you're trying to get induced, but not get sure. IV pain medication, but get, mm -hmm. you know, it's like it, but you are medicated because you have yeah. Pitocin run. It's like, it's such yes. a weird and and I'm I sorry think, that there's so many terms, but oh, it's like, yeah, uh. <laughs> I think that there's, you know, another like discussion point that women will bring up, like, you know, okay, I had a C-section delivery, but yes, is that, yeah. is this is not natural? Like, yeah. Like just that natural term is just kind of like, like this elitist type approach yeah. to quantifying it or yeah. categorizing it. Right. Um, yeah. and I think whatever birth ends up being the right one for you, um, gosh, you, you can consider it a, a natural birth, right? Like, I yeah, mean, I, mean sure. I think that, I think that's a, a discussion point. And, so, and I think also when people come in the terms they want to use, whoever's educating them will typically use the terms that they want to use. Right. right um, right. we're not going to correct you or say, no, you have to use it in this way. You know, if, if you're, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it can be kind of a unique approach. Um, and when you see it, it doesn't necessarily need to be offensive. Like, oh, okay, well, if I'm having it this way, does that not mean it's natural? Right. Try just to feel out what's going to be right, the right term for you. Um, and then, and then go with that. That's kind of what my input on that, but it can be, it can be misconstrued and misunderstood yeah. and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, let's go into a couple other, uh, uh, more terms. So this next one is BOW or BBOW. And again, I don't ever say BOW, but BOW, if you see that in your chart is just bulging or sorry, bag of water and BBOW is bulging bag of water. And that's what we, um, you know, we'll talk about you know, just your amniotic fluid is your bag of water. So you might see, you know, BOW and then bulging bag of water is, you know, if your provider checks you and does a, you know, a cervical check and they can really feel that bag of water bulging <laughs> against your cervix. And it's like about ready to pop. Sometimes we'll call it a bulging bag of water, just, you know, instead of just your bag of water because it's bulging mm. in there. <laughs> so mm. next um, ones, we'll talk about VBAC versus TOLAC. So most people, I would say, if you're looking to VBAC, you know what a VBAC stands for, vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, but a lot of people just don't realize that there is a difference between TOLAC and VBAC. So TOLAC is trial of labor after cesarean. And as far as I'm concerned, trial of labor is the attempt. VBAC is the success, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm off on there. Yeah, that's, um, that's how I, I understand it too. Yeah. And sometimes they get interchanged. I, I definitely am guilty of that doing a post on TOLAC and, and using the word VBAC, but really the mm -hmm. technical way is like, if you're talking about attempting, uh, it's TOLAC. And if you talk about mm -hmm. you, you've had a successful one, it's a VBAC. So, all right, uh, go ahead. If you had something. Oh, you're great. I was just going to say, if you had a successful one, I think on your subsequent birth, you could just call it VBAC from the yes. start. Is that right? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Again, yeah. see, yeah. we're quizzing ourselves. And we're quizzing ourselves on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All Love right. It. Let's move into a couple of these other ones. So let's talk about like, you're getting a little bit deeper into labor. So transition So a lot of people, 
um, you know, want to know kind of what it's. So first of all, you talk about the stages of labor, um, the stages of that first. So there's technically four stages of labor, but that first one is when you're dilating from zero to 10 centimeters. And then that one is broken up into a couple different, uh, three different, um, three different subsets. So early labor, active labor, transitional labor. And transition is basically that last subset as you're getting deeper and deeper into labor. I would say it's not necessarily like a stark number. Like once you hit seven centimeters, you're in transition. Once you hit nine centimeters, you're in transition. I would Mm -hmm. say it's probably more, and you might disagree with me, but I would say it's probably more on how mom is acting. Mm -hmm. Um, because you, you just start your mentality, your, your physical, you know, you just start to change. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You get very emotional. You get very, you know, you're just kind of, I have a post that I did where it was like early labors. You're, you know, kind of smiling, kind of not smiling, kind of like, okay, like this hurts. I'm breathing through them a little bit, but like, okay, I'm excited. I'm in labor. And then active labor is like, okay, you're not really smiling anymore. You're not laughing at jokes. This is like serious. This is not going away. And then transition Mm -hmm. is like your crazy face. Like, Oh my God, when is this going to be over? You're just saying things Mm -hmm. that, you know, you don't mean as I've gotten called the B word a few times, people, uh, in transition. I mean, you say things that you don't mean it's totally fine. Everybody does it. I've done it during labor. You just scream or do crazy Mm -hmm you know, acrobatics or just (laughs) crazy things. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say transition is. And if you're Um, planning no epidural, this is typically the time that you ask for the epidural. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. So let's talk about this next one, failure to progress. And you put a note on here that I, that you hate the (laughs) word, this way this is worded. And I would agree with you that I do too. There was a post that I shared, um, back when peanut was doing their whole, they, they shared this, Camp, yeah, guess, campaign. Yes. Did you see that? They I shared did. all of the failure. Yeah. So there's the negative, so many terms. Kind of negative language. Yes. Yeah. Negative language. Yeah. yeah. And and a few mm-hmm. of them were like failure to progress or failure to descend, or there's just mm-hmm. a lot of medical terms like that that are very negative. So when we talk about failure to progress or failure to descend, we're usually, it's usually in your chart or your providers saying that if you've attempted labor and your cervix has stopped, you know, you've stalled at a certain centimeter and then it's deemed that it's, you know, necessary to have a C-section. So your provider might say, okay, you know, you're a failure to progress. Let's go back to the OR, or you might see it in your chart or on your bill, you know, once you get your bill afterwards. And yeah, I would agree that this is bad. I, I, I want to change the language. I want to at least, change the bedside language. I think we can start Mm -hmm. with that at least at the least, you know, it's harder to change medical terminology when it comes to billing and, Mm -hmm. you know, what you see on your, uh, you know, uh, on your bill afterwards. Um, and there's so many other terms out there that peanut did a fabulous job with that campaign of, Mm -hmm. of highlighting all of those terms. But yeah, I would say I definitely would love to start with changing the bedside terminology. If, yeah. And yeah. I guess the way I look at it, it's more of a, like, yeah, it didn't work in this way, but that's right. why we have plan A's and plan B's, right? right. Because we're all unique um, right. and different ways are going to work. And thank goodness we do. I'm, I have three kids yeah. and two times C-section and I'm grateful um, for that, you know, option as well. Yeah. I just don't like the like kind of label it puts on like a mom, like her body failed or that, you know, she failed in some regard because there's no truth to that. It's just that we had to go to a different plan. Yeah. And it just sets you up for that mentality, you know, that negative Mm -hmm. mentality. Um, There's already so, I mean, we want to honor all moms giving birth and especially Mm -hmm. honor moms who have belly, have belly births, have C-sections. And when you mm-hmm. have these terms placed on these moms, it's very heavy. So, yeah. um, the next one is rest and descend. And I want you to do that one because I don't use that term. I'm a, oh, do, really? you mean, okay. do you mean, um, see now I'm like, I no, you're good. I'm just talking about <laughs> like, maybe it's, maybe it's a first time mom. Okay. Yeah. And she gets to 10 centimeters. We're not necessarily going to push right away based on where yeah. baby's head is. 
That's all yeah. I'm talking about. So oh. maybe you use a different term. Oh, I say laboring down. Yeah. 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 Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So laboring down, rest and descend. Okay, cool. Hey, learned a new term. Love it. So, <laughs> so laboring down is what we call it, but it's, it's the same thing. Rest and descend is basically if, like you said, if you're a first time mom, sometimes it's second time moms, but yeah, I would say probably mm-hmm. like much more often with first time moms, you get to 10 centimeters where you're fully dilated. And I would say most of the time we use this practice with moms who have epidurals because it's kind of hard to yep. rest and descend or labor yep. down when you don't have an epidural. But if you have and an epidural, no, probably less necessary too. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So if you have an epidural and maybe you've got, you know, you're, you're starting to feel a little bit of pressure, maybe your providers, you know, just checked you and you're 10 centimeters, but your baby's still a little bit high in your pelvis, like still maybe at that zero station. Um, And what we do is we call, it's called laboring down or rest and descend. And we just kind of let you chill, let your body push your baby down with more contractions, um, push that station down and then let baby get a little bit lower. And then it typically shortens your, your active pushing time. Mm -hmm. So that's the benefit to it. Um, obviously we're not going to do it if we see any, heart rate changes with baby, or if you're feeling like you want, you know, you definitely don't have to labor down. If you're feeling like the urge to push by all means, like let's push. But a lot of times it's good for moms because it lets them kind of chill out. Um, especially Mm -hmm. if like, I see a lot of moms love it and benefit from it. If they've been laboring, you know, they come in active and they're like, I definitely want an epidural They get an epidural later, Mm -hmm. six or seven centimeters. And then they, you know, lay down after their epidural and get comfortable. And then they're 10 centimeters, their provider checks them and they just get to chill for a little while, you know, at mm-hmm. 10 centimeters and then push baby out in about 20 yeah. minutes. I mean, it works, yeah. it works really well. I, yeah. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I think the biggest benefit is just shortening that pushing time because you get yes. to 10, you're so excited yes. because you're like, oh my gosh, maybe this is, you know, this labor has been long or it's just been hard or just you're yes. excited to meet baby. Right. Yes. So it can be hard, but I think it's so smart. Um, if, if your nurse is suggesting that to wait, because then you're not spending so much energy pushing, it's still going to be a big deal, but yep. you know, shorter. So then you're not as completely physically exhausted once baby arrives. Yep. All right. If you heard that little baby crying, it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. So this week I actually have two. I have two kind of shorter reviews, but I think they're still definitely worth reading. So this first one is from Tiffany Lynn Hall, and she says, I took your Birth It Up course and it helped me feel so much more confident about my birth plan and experience. I already knew I was getting an epidural and I had a planned induction due to my hospital's protocols. I gave birth to a beautiful nine pound, two ounce baby girl, Juliet. Ooh, big baby. (laughs) I will hands down recommend your courses to any of my pregnant friends or those thinking of becoming pregnant. Oh, so sweet. And she sent me a little picture. She said she was born 11-6-2020 and is about to hit four months. She sent me that, that picture a few weeks ago. All right. The next one is from Abigail Jean and Abigail says, my birth it up, baby, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Lila is four months old and I took the natural birth course at 35 weeks. And it's a good thing I did because my labor was only four hours long, arrived at the hospital, eight centimeters and had her 40 minutes later, no time for an epidural. Wow. Speedy Gonzalez there. (laughs) So if you want to hear more about the courses that these ladies took, go over to mommylabornurse.com. And we currently have three now. If you're listening to this episode, we have Birth It Up, the natural series, Birth It Up, the epidural series, and Birth It Up, the C-section series. So click on whichever one you want to take. All right. So this next one is crowning or the ring of fire. So sometimes, you know, as you're pushing or every time as you're pushing, um, we will say that baby is starting to crown. So that's basically exactly what it sounds like. We're starting to see baby's head, you know, emerge as you're, as you're pushing the little crown of the baby's head emerging. And then the ring of fire is something that people feel, it feels like a ring of fire as you're pushing that <laughs> largest part of baby's head out of your vagina it can be, you know, be, be very lots of burning. Um, but it's very short lived and then it's over. So, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> next one is we'll talk about baby's positioning a little bit. So sometimes we'll, you'll hear a provider say, oh, baby's OA or baby's OP or baby's OT. Um, and then there's certain degrees that baby can be OA, OP, OT in like baby can be left or right OA, left or right, you know, OP. And that's just, you know, we're just kind of saying which way baby is in your pelvis. Mm -hmm. And it can be beneficial to know for us, like if this baby is OP, you know, baby's facing, you know, your front side. Okay. Maybe we need to do this sort of position change to get baby yeah. into a more optimal yeah. position. And so, you might, the mom, the mom might have a little more back pain yes. if babies in that OP yeah. or we call sunny side up because yeah. most yeah. of the babies are going to be delivered face down and you yes. moms might not know that, you know, if they haven't delivered before, but if they're in that OP, they're going to be born face up and it can be a lot more back pain. So that's when your labor nurse can jump in and help with positioning or counter pressure to release yep. that. Yep. Absolutely. Correct. So the next one is if we're talking, you might hear D cell or Axel. Okay. And this is when we're, we have you on the monitor, you've been on the monitor and watching baby's heart rate. And we're looking for certain things, um, in baby's heart rate, one of them being Axel. So Axels are good. We like to see Axels. Axels just are when baby's heart rate raises for a certain time period, and then it comes back down to baseline. So it looks like little kind of peaks of a hill, um, in in, in baby's heart rate. And that tells us that baby is doing perfectly in there, getting nice oxygenated, good blood flow from your placenta. So we like to see ax cells. We don't like to see as many D cells. So when we talk about D cells, D cells, if you could guess is instead of baby's heart rate going up, it goes down. So there's a couple different types of D cells. Some are benign, some are not so benign, but, um, it's ugh, D cells are like, I don't, it's like hard to go into, okay, what are early D cells? What are yeah, variable D cells? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but D yeah, cells no, typically, agree. typically D cells are not as good. Um, yeah. so yeah, the last one I have is meconium or mech. Sometimes we call mech just like pit. Sometimes we like to say things shorter because <laughs> meconium <laughs> sometimes is a mouthful. So meconium is basically, um, babe, if baby poops, sometimes baby, especially term, very over term, term, term babies, um, will poop inside and it, it usually, I mean, almost all the time it's benign and it just means that baby's term and baby has pooped and your fluid is a little bit green. Um, but sometimes it can indicate that baby is stressed out. So if you, if you do have meconium stain fluid, like your amniotic fluid is green, green tinged, we do want to make sure we're you know, keeping a close eye on baby. And we might, you might have some extra people in your room for during your delivery, um, mm -hmm. from, you know, like a pediatric team in there, a NICU nurse in there, just in case baby needs a little bit of extra, extra resuscitation coming out. Um, and yeah, sometimes we refer to it as neck. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, and, Lindsay, I will yeah. let, did you have something to add from that? No, sorry. no. Perfect. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, you know, yeah, we're going into this postpartum and breastfeeding terms. Yeah. Um, let's do it. Choreo could really kind of go into the labor terms probably. So you might hurt here. Um, you know, your nurse say something like, Oh, there's choreo. This is rare. It typically only, you know, it's like one to 2%. Um, and it's an infection of the placenta and amniotic fluid. So most likely you're not going to experience it. Um, but if you do, they're just going to possibly give antibiotics, give a close eye. Um, yeah. and that's also why they don't let your, uh, water be broken for days and days, because then that increases yeah. your chance of an infection. So that's what that term is. If you hear that, um, and then there's EBL, um, or mm -hmm. PPH. So EBL is estimated blood loss. PPH is, um, postpartum hemorrhage. Okay. So nurses are actually trained. Like I'm sure Lisa's been in lots of yeah. these little extra little oh, yeah. where we'll go in. How, how do we estimate blood loss based on pads, based on checks, based on just like basically seeing it and estimating it because we need to act quickly, right. If things like that are happening. Um, and all moms are going to lose some blood after delivery, um, and keeping in mind and maybe speaking to either to your care provider, even before delivery comes about, you know, what are their practices? Are you going to give me Pitocin prophylactically afterwards? You know, what are my options there? IV mm -hmm. or um, an injection? 
and talk through that. So you understand, I think what can get hard for moms is that some of these things are done prophylactically and there's great research behind it. But if a nurse just comes up and pokes a needle in their leg and yeah. they never knew that was coming, then that yeah. can feel like just, I, I guess it could be traumatic or it could just be super unexpected and you're not knowing why it's done. So maybe yeah. you're thinking it's unnecessary. Um, so it can be really great to talk with your provider through, you know, oh, what will your protocol be to take care of me and baby after delivery so that um, you can talk through and feel good about those things. Um, and then Terry. So um, typically all moms experience a little terror in their perineum if they're doing, you know, if they do a vaginal delivery. And you may hear anything from a first degree tear, which is fairly minor, all the way to a fourth degree tear. And that's the worst that there can be. Um, and there's gonna definitely need to be repair and follow up there. So if you hear those knowing, okay, first is you know the, the least and then fourth is the worst, just so that you can understand um, what that scale is, right? And then, and then asking about um, how you need to care or if, you're, if there's gonna be any follow up there. Yeah. One that I didn't write down that I just thought of while we were chatting about was fundus. Um, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That's going to be a big one. Yeah. So typically um, the nurses are going to be massaging your fundus or the top of your uterus after delivery. And the more that we do that, the more we're kind of working out that muscle and reminding it to contract, to minimize your risk of a postpartum hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to really feel that great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you may be thinking postpartum, why does this lady keep coming in and pouncing on my stomach? Right. Oh, no. Um, so but mean. knowing, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, but knowing, um, what it's for, and then also you can kind of do it in between when the yeah. nurse is going to check um, and then you're kind of controlling it just a little bit more. Um, and on top of that, remembering frequency of breastfeeding is going to also help that uterus muscle to contract more. Yeah. Uh, and the more it contracts, the less it's going to have a chance of, of having, um, hemorrhage and, and yeah. more intervention. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So then another one here is AGA. So I think we may, oh, maybe we didn't cover, but, um, there's like small for gestational age, there's large for gestational age, either at birth or, you know, during pregnancy, we're thinking about that. Well, once baby comes out and uh, the nurse is doing their assessment at whatever time, um, AGA is just appropriate for gestational age. So they'll kind of run them through a few little um, tests and they'll just kind of look them up and down and they might, you know, mention that on your chart or, or to the pediatrician. And then EBF is exclusive breastfeeding. Um, and that there can be a little bit of a, you know, chitter chatter around this term as well, because it kind of seems like oh, exclusive means, yeah. you know, what, is, yeah. what does that mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and so exclusive breastfeeding, just all it means is babies only receiving breast milk. Mm -hmm. So whether that's through pumping and maybe that's all you're doing, maybe you're exclusively pumping, um, that still counts as exclusive breastfeeding. And, you know, it's just, it's just a term we use to say that all babies getting is breast milk. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that that's the only way there's mixed feeding, there's times where supplementation is necessary, yep. but it's just meaning that baby, baby's not receiving anything else. Right. Um, yep. and then people put let down in there and they said, this was so confusing as to what this meant. Ooh, that's a good one because I remember <laughs> yeah. learning about what a letdown was with my first yeah. one and yeah. just my mind being blown. Like, wait, what, how does this yeah. work? <laughs> yeah. So please yeah. explain exactly yeah. what a letdown is. And it's very interesting because it can happen in a couple different ways. Okay. It can happen through physical stimulation. So when baby's put to breast or you put the pump on, it can, uh, it just means like when that first tumble of milk starts to come, that's a yeah. letdown. Right. And it might take 10 seconds for you. It might take two minutes, you know, um, mm -hmm. goes back to the uniqueness of our bodies. Um, and that doesn't matter, but the average is about, uh, one and a half to two minutes for letdown. Okay. So it can happen just through, it takes about two minutes for your body to send a signal to your brain, then says, okay, well, we better let, you know, start let milk flow. Right. Um, but yeah. it can also happen just by thinking or hearing things. So by yeah. seeing a picture of your baby, by hearing another baby cry, um, a mom might feel a little letdown and a little milk gets released. Um, so it can happen in a couple different ways. And I think the, the other thing to mention here is to recognize the difference of milk delivery from the breast versus a bottle. Um, when, we, when we're feeding with a bottle, it's a steady rate of delivery, right? Baby um, starts getting milk immediately and they get it at the same rate throughout the whole feeding. 
versus when a baby's at the breast, it's kind of an ebb and flow. Okay. Um, and women may experience as many as four letdowns during one feeding session. The average is two. And the other thing to think about is you may not feel let down at all, but that doesn't mean that you're not having it. Okay. And of the moms who do feel let down, typically they just feel that first one. I was going to say, I'm trying, I'm like going back through my Instagram story because I put up a box a while. It was right after I started breastfeeding with my second one, um, of a box of like, try to explain what a letdown feels like if you feel Mm -hmm. a letdown. And there were Mm -hmm. so many different answers. Like some people said, Oh, it's like an electric shock. And some people said, Oh no, it's more (laughs) like a tingle or no, it's more like, like a, like a chill. And I'm trying to find Mm -hmm. it, but I can't find it of course, but Yeah. yeah, yeah. So interesting. And yeah, I always noticed that I would, fe- I could see when I let down, when I pumped, cause I could see, mm-hmm. you know, my yep, the pump dropping, but faster. I wouldn't feel it in my body. But when mm-hmm. I nursed, I would always feel my letdowns except yeah. towards the end when my milk supply was like decreasing, I started to not feel mm-hmm. my letdowns anymore. But like yeah. in the beginning, in the first few months always felt my left, my letdowns with, um, breastfeeding, but never with pumping. So I think it's interesting yeah. how the stimulation is just different and yeah. how your body is just different. For me, it was always like, I remember it, it, it kind of feels like rain coming down my chest. Mm. Like, like, it's like okay. a weird, like, yeah. like coming from my armpits and from my shoulders. It's like, just kind of like a weird, reminds like me a, of like, reminds so... me of the friends episode where Rachel latches yeah. the baby. There you go. This feels weird. Yes. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's so it's wonderful. Weird. It can definitely be a wonderful weird, but you're going to have to experience it for yourself. Yep. But like you said, lots of women report different ways. A lot of times people will say it feels like tingling or warmth. Um, and the reason why we say that and tell you that there's so much difference is so that you don't feel like, well, I'm not feeling it. I must not have any milk. Right. You know, a lot of times we'll go down those rabbit holes. Right. Right. Um, so rest assured your, your experience and your sensation is probably going to be unique. Um, mm-hmm. and the other reason why I mentioned the rate of delivery is different is in the early days, you know, when we're really, our goals are, are for breastfeeding, we don't want to introduce a bottle too soon, if at all possible, if, if there's no reason to, yeah. because of that difference in the rate of delivery. Yeah. So if we start giving a bottle, but baby hasn't mastered the breast they will go to the breast and they'll say, well, I got to wait around two minutes it's for this you know, milk yeah. to get dropped off. What the yep. heck? Right. And they'll get frustrated more easily. And it can be a more uphill battle from the beginning. Whereas if milk does need to be supplemented, um, put it in a spoon, put it in a medicine mm-hmm. cup, put baby at the breast. And that can help kind of keep that breast focused there yep. all while getting baby those needed calories. Because the one thing that's not time sensitive is learning to latch. Right. Um, so I think it's important to understand that. And then if you get along your journey and you start giving more bottles and then all of a sudden baby gets frustrated at the breast, you may go back to this concept of understanding, okay, the rate of delivery is a little bit different. Okay. I'm going to check in with my breast angles. Yes. I want to keep going for a little more while longer. I want to interchange in between the two. Let me decrease the, the bottle sessions, increase the breastfeeding sessions, um, and see if that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like that little dance, but not to pull the ripcord and go, Oh, you know, I have no supply or, Oh, baby's never going to do this. Just take one step back. Um, and, and readjust just a little bit. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do the um, last one. Donor, yes, donor yes. breast milk and express breast milk. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, the WHO is going to recommend, okay, the first thing is mom's milk. If that's not available, mm-hmm. let's go to donor breast milk. And if that's not available, let's go to formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you see that DVM, that's going to mean donor breast milk. And obviously you can ask your staff and things about that. And then express breast milk is just expressing your milk, either through hand expression or a pump and then delivering that to baby. Love it. All right, cool, Lindsay. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about all of these terms. So we just decided that we're going to split this episode off up and have Lindsay come back on for you guys next week and talk we more could talk about for days and days. We could talk days we? and days. Like I said, she's going to come on for a third time and talk about her own personal story. But I oh, think so we need to split up terms and 
get next episode, mm -hmm. talk about some more breastfeeding questions because love you it. are the expert when it comes to breastfeeding stuff. So we would love to and have you lots come. of questions, lots, lots <laughs> yes. of questions from lots the mommy laborers questions. community. <laughs> lots of questions. There's always lots and lots of questions, which is good. We love that. So Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on here. Can you just remind our listeners, they're going to hear you next week when you come back on, yeah. but can you remind our listeners where they can find you on social media? Of course. So for sure, hop over on Instagram and give us a follow at lactation link. We're typically sharing daily tips. We have weekly Q and A's, lots of great engagement with other parents, just like you over there. So make sure yeah. to follow us there. Um, and then if you're ready, if you're pregnant or you're in the weeds of breastfeeding, hop right into a course. We have three different courses, breastfeeding basics, breastfeeding hurdles and how to's, and then pumping and storing breast milk. We also bundle those into all, all three, uh, into the confident breastfeeding course. And that's 90% of people that Love jump it. into that one. Cause it's the best value. And there's really no information you don't need, um, yeah. within yeah. those three. So those are great. And then if you want to give us a test drive, we also have free workshops. We can kind of cool. come in, um, take, take a look at our teaching style and that kind of thing um, before you jump into a course. So would love to see you guys. And then once, once they're in there, they get, you know, unlimited access. We actually have all our content inside an app. We have weekly office oh. hours with our experts in there. Um, and so you can access your videos, which are broken up into two to, you know, five minute snippets. You don't have to sit uh -huh. there for a full hour if you just want yeah. an answer to one question. Um, and then you can talk with other moms in there. I'm in there answering questions regularly as well. Very cool. I love it. We'll yeah. put all that stuff in the show notes page and I can't wait to talk to you next week, Lindsay, about more, some more breastfeeding stuff. Thanks so much, Liesl. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. That's it for this week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.